Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Thank you for all your great five-star reviews on iTunes. And yes, this is still our birthday month. And if you've not yet given us a five-star review on iTunes, we certainly would appreciate the belated birthday present. Many of you are listening to us on iTunes. Just scroll down to the bottom, click five stars, leave a little pithy comment. It means the world to us. So we are presenting to you a topic of, and this is going to be a two-part series, Julie? It is indeed. Okay. And this is inspired by a lot of questions we've been getting from a lot of coaching clients and a lot of podcast listeners. And it's all drilling down. This content's all drilling down on how to help you make the deal happen from the finance side. That's right. So buyers financing denied. Yes, that does happen sometimes. And banks are tightening up their uh, all their requirements, you know, due to this whole thing going on, as well as interest rates are going up and not everybody qualifies. Not everybody is going to stay qualified. Don't let your deals die. So Stop giving up so easily. I know you guys aren't used to this kind of drama. I know you're not used to having to save deals. Some of you, it hasn't occurred to you that it's possible to save a deal, right? By save a deal, we mean, frankly, where the lender or the lender you sent the buyer to is now getting a little sketch on whether the buyer's going to be able to get their financing. And that obviously is not something you want to deal with. Um, Let me just preface this by, um, again, this is past podcast content, but you guys can listen to some of the literally over 2,000 podcasts we have that are available on iTunes and then over on YouTube as well. But you do need to have three lenders in your back pocket. And Mm. I assume we don't talk about this in this content? No, but we can. Uh, Well, let's just give them, let's just start with that, right? So you need to have a first time uh, buyer lender. You need to have a buyer or a lender that is really amiable, frankly. Yes. And very familiar with a lot of the FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type Patient. loans. And, and that they they like doing it. It is their thing, not that they sometimes do it if they have to. Right. And they're also going to be familiar with maybe some of the farm loans, some of the loans that are specifically mm-hmm. for firefighters and school teachers and You don't know what I'm talking about, do you, a lot of listeners, because you've not had to know. Down payment assistance. Right. So you're going to have to learn how to find a lender that actually knows how to do deals in a market like this. And it's there it's gonna be a skills type thing. It's also gonna be a you know a personality type thing. And Julie and I always use when we are Columbus, Ohio, you know, we should have them be advertisers, but mm-hmm. Yerke Mortgage. And there was a, a lender there named Mark Yerke, who we would always send our first time buyers to because they loved him. And because he took the time to explain everything. He wasn't condescending. He didn't, uh, you know, use big, complicated lender intimidating terms. Mm-hmm. He understood that they were very nervous and a lot of them were trying to make it ends meet with regards to down payments and payments and all the rest of it. And he knew all kinds of things he could do to get loans approved. So you need a first time home buyer lender. Then you need a move up type, middle of the road type lender. You, Yes, I'm telling you listeners, you should seriously consider having three lenders because not one lender is going to be able to work with all these different folks. So the middle end uh, lender is going to be someone that maybe, you know, they're uh, very, they're, they are used to working with people that have equity. They're used to have working with people that are a little bit more seasoned, used to having uh, work with people that have better credit. 
They're the Midland type lender. That's the lender that everybody likes. The lender that is going to, um, you know, they're going to be able to do upper end loans if you ask them, but it's not really their thing. And they're going to be able to, you know, say they can do lower end loans, but they really don't know much about the government lending. You guys get how all these things are different skill sets. So the Midland lender is the lender where, frankly, you're going to send most of your deals to the Midland lender. And then you're going to have your upper end lender. Now, the upper end lender is going to be somebody who knows how to do super jumbos and jumbos and all these fancy mortgages and all these different types of products that you probably don't even know exist because you haven't had to know. They're going to know how to make self-employed people, uh, how they're going to help them qualify. They're going to they're going to know all these little nuanced approaches. But I'll tell you the best thing about some of these high-end lenders, they will have lenders who know, like maybe it's one, um, it could frankly be a hedge fund. It could be a local bank. It could be, uh, we had lenders that were lending money of very wealthy families when Julie and I sold real estate. You could have lenders that are lending money on behalf of insurance companies, but these are going to be very specific types of loans. And those types of lenders are going to work with people that have high credit scores, high down payment, high net worth, you know, and that's going to be the type of lender you need to have in your back pocket in the event you get a buyer like that. Because if you generate an upper end buyer lead, for example, and you send them to Larry, the lender, who's your Midland lender, that's not only going to turn them off to not want to work with Larry, the lender, but they're not also, they're not going to want to work with you because they're going to, you're all, all of a sudden, in essence, co-branded with that lender who these upper end people were not comfortable using. Well, isn't that interesting that you bring that up? Because what you just described is where some of the problem can start. 100%. Because you can have a borrower be denied, not because they're not financeable, but because they're with the wrong lender that does not have the product that meets their needs. And by the way, Larry, the lender probably wasn't really that good at servicing these high-end customers who are used to having their butts kissed. Everywhere they go in life. Or the first-time buyer who needs a lot of patience. Right. Or, yeah, exactly. Or they're, they're all of a sudden finding themselves talking to, you, let's say you're holding an open house and it's a multi-million dollar property. In walk these relocating beautiful people who are ready to uh, buy a home, but they need to do a loan. And you turn them over to a lender that you're familiar with that, you know, brings you donuts every Wednesday and plays golf with you and gives you a Christmas card at Christmas. But that lender has no mortgage products. They're going to work with that particular upper end buyer. That lender is not going to tell you that they're not a good lender for the upper end buyer. They're not going to tell you that they don't have any of these sort of off menu mortgage products. Just like the lower end lender is not also probably going to tell you they can work with, uh, but that is what we liked about Merck Yerke, frankly, yeah. is he would tell you, this is what I do. This is who I specialize in. Bring me people like right. this. And he would say, not for me. And sometimes refer you to somebody that had that product. Maybe it was a portfolio loan or something yeah. like that. How do you find these lenders? Talk to other agents in your marketplace who are also, who are transacting and ask them for referrals. Go and find out who the absolute top agents are in your marketplace and ask them who they send their buyers to. And you'll be surprised. In some cases, guys, if, for example, they have, if they're a really high-end customer, they're going to have a banking relationship with JP Morgan, or they're going to have a port, and where they can do portfolio lending, and they can just do different kinds of hybrid products. You need to know about this so that you, frankly, can get the deal. Otherwise, you're not going to even, you're not going to know why that buyer is ghosting you. And by the way, that buyer turned out to be the CEO of a company, and he was bringing in 20 different other high-paid executives, and now you're getting none of those deals. Exactly. This is the importance of knowing your craft. 
Now, all of that said, in any of those scenarios, sometimes you're going to get the dreaded email financing denied, or your client will, and then they'll tell you. So what do you do about this? Whether it's your buyer or the buyer on your listing, if this hasn't actually happened to you yet, put this in your brain as what I need to know before I need to know it, because it will happen to you. Rest assured, we personally closed thousands of transactions with our real estate career, and, and we have coached thousands of coaching yeah. clients to meet or exceed their goals. Well, actually, Julie, technically, we've coached tens of thousands yes. of coaching clients. And, you know, this I don't know if this is in your notes either, Go ahead. but we should let them know the importance of getting your lender or your buyer to be completely approved. Is this part of your notes? Prior to actually working with them or making nope. it so that they're done with a loan, uh, you know, ASAP, sure. because the worst time to find out hmm. that the loan's going to be uh, turned down is like a week or two before closing. So yeah. the first, and we teach you guys in this in coaching, you've got to make sure your buyer is completely approved for the loan. The only caveat being that they it's subject to the appraisal of the property that they're purchasing. So important. And by the way, if you're on the listing side, listen to me, list, uh, listeners, if you're on the listing side, you have got to stop receiving or accepting BS lender letters yep. from these buyers who, by the way, are just going to blow out a contract or, you know, two, two weeks before closing and the seller is probably going to be pissed off, blame you, and you're going to get fired. You need to know what, how to read lender letters. And I'll give you guys an advanced coaching on that right now. If there's any subject twos in the lender's letter, like a lender letter should not, it, it's always, they always read like this. They're just boilerplate. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, Bob and Sally, you're approved to purchase a house up to this amount, this amount, this amount, this interest rate, this term, this whatever, whatever, whatever. And then the second paragraph is going to say subject to pigs flying. Could be. Alien invasion. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, subject to, subject to. The subject to means the lender hasn't done jack on the loan, and you've got to assume that lender is being lazy, did not actually do any work on that file, and you're going to essentially have buyers that aren't qualified. They thought they were qualified. You thought they were qualified, and now you've spent all this well, time and effort, and now they're not able to purchase. Yeah, and worse than that is when it just says subject to final underwriting. Yeah, exactly. Because that's a big bucket of nonsense, right? You don't even know what that means because they haven't gotten into the file yet. Now, we have done a podcast series called The Ultimate Addendum, and we drill down with in coaching deeply on that. Most of our coaching uh, clients are using The Ultimate Addendum, where they cover all that and make sure that it's not a boilerplate lender letter. Now, smart, listing, smart buyer's agents and smart lenders actually call the listing agent and explain what level of financing they have achieved. So let me just clarify that real quick. You have three levels of financing, pre-qualified, which means virtually nothing. That means I called you, Larry the lender, and I said I make this much money, and I think my credit is that, and you say, well, you ought to be able to afford this. It's worse than that now. They go online, yes. they go to you know Rocket Mortgage or someplace, and then they put in some information. Nobody verifies it. What no. do you think your credit score is, Julie? Well, I think it's this. You know what? Tell us about your exactly. blah 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 blah. Boom! Based Quick on this, here's here's your lend here's your lender's letter, and now you're off to the races, right? And you guys are thinking that that is worth anything. It is worth not even the digital uh, letters on the keyboard that or on the screen. Pre-qualified, nothing right. has actually been investigated. Okay, now pre-approved usually means that they have had their credit checked. Their down payment has possibly been verified. But yeah. remember, the ultimate addendum that we give you, it's not just credit checked. It's a three-merge credit report. It's not just a three-merge credit report. It's a three-merge credit report 
for the purposes of obtaining a mortgage. Because guys, guess what? There's different credit depending on what you're buying. There's car credit. There's house yeah, credit. Yeah. There's all these other types of credit buckets. You have got to know what you're dealing with. Again, otherwise you're going to find yourself wasting a lot of time. You're going to, oh my gosh, Tim, I can't possibly press a buyer to get all this high level qualification done oh. before. Otherwise they'll never want to work with me. That's the reason you work with three different lenders and the lenders do it for you. That's right. And again, we have a, quite a few podcasts about that and it is in Premier Coaching. All right. So the following that we're going to talk about are tried and true solutions to deals dying uh, due to financing issues. We have personally done 100% of these solutions and have coached our clients to do it. So the first thing is to manage your mindset. You've got to get off the panic button and into action. If the buyer still wants to buy and the seller still wants to sell, you still have a deal. Get to work to solve the problem. Most deals do have a solution. And again, I know you guys aren't used to thinking this way. If you have a backup offer, listing agents, be sure that you know the facts before you switch to that deal. What's going on with that person's financing, right? If you don't have a backup offer, get a two-week extension immediately so you have time to resolve the issues and still get to the closing table and then get to work. Okay, so I'm going to really drill down something she just said so it does not get by any of you. Just because a lender... So a lender, basically, for the most part, they're like a, a, I mean, they're like a car dealer, but they have, well, I don't even say what they are. I mean, they're essentially representing a whole bunch of different investors or lenders. And let's say they have, you know, five or six different lenders, five different sources of, of potential mortgages, might be three, might be 20, who cares, doesn't matter. Now, they might have three or four that they prefer to take all their loans to because they're a little bit easier, the paperwork's less onerous, and maybe they pay more commission on the back end of the loans whatever, right? Those lenders or one of those lenders turns your buyer down. That lender then, uh, that loan officer then, you know, sends the letter uh, rejecting the loan, uh, saying you can't get a mortgage, you're declined. That does not mean crap. That's what Julie's trying to explain to you. That particular lender on that particular day decided that they can't do the mortgage for those particular buyers. That does not mean there's not dozens of other solutions. So a lender's decline letter does not mean anything other than you have to get back to work. But I want you to remember what we were just talking about. You should have done this ahead of time, True. sending them to the appropriate lender. And that appropriate lender wasn't just the person that brought you the best donuts on Wednesday. It was somebody who you know has, maybe from personal experience or from the experience of your uh, other agents, who has a long-term track record of being able to work with a particular buyer in a particular, you know, with a particular type of product or ideally products. You got to realize that the decline of a loan definitely hurts, but it's not the end of the story. That's right. So we're going to drill down on four common problems when financing is denied. Now, note to self, legally, a lender must give the reason that a borrower is being denied their loan. Find out the specifics. If the lender won't tell you, they must tell the buyer. So this is usually... Agents will just give up when they get the denial letter. Too bad for you. You know, I'll talk to you next year right. when you're more qualified. Well, because, Julie, in the past 15 years, agents haven't had to deal with a lot of lending Any issues. Any of this, really. Be any of it, really. Yeah, exactly. Now, they've had to come up, the buyers have had to come up with down payments, but interest rates were, you know, low. Mortgage standards were a little bit loosey-goosey. I mean, compared to the way they're evolving now. Sure. Appraisals weren't so drilled down. All the rest of it. All of these things. And by the way, you haven't gotten an email from your lender saying, turns out now we're going to get a lot more stringent on the types of borrowers that were, uh, you know, yeah. essentially issuing no, mortgages. they are. They are. Okay. So let's take this first one. And again, if you, you, if you don't find out the reason, you can't be the solution. So that's where it starts. So 
uh, point number one or problem number one, down payment issue and or closing cost issues. In other words, it's a money issue. So here are things that you've got to ask. If it's not enough, then how much does the lender require? Are we talking about the difference between 10% that they thought they could use to qualify and they really have to get to 15%. Now, if they don't have enough down payment, they don't have enough cash. We've done past podcasts on this. They could do a second mortgage from the seller. They could borrow the money from mom and dad. They could maybe borrow against their... So you guys got to think out of the bucket. A no just means it's time to get back to work. That's right. So if it's not enough money, well, how much would it take? Would changing the loan program change the requirement? Okay, so here's an example of that. Maybe they didn't qualify for that particular standard issue product, but maybe if we turn the, you know, you can take a conventional and turn it into an FHA and get away with lower credit scores, lower down payment, as long as they have a good job. So that's changing the loan program to fix the problem. Again, this goes back to loan officers. So if you guys take, say, for example, a a borrower that could use a VA, their VA uh, eligibility, right? And they could get a VA loan. But guess what? That lender, Larry the lender, does not issue VA mortgages. You just brought this great buyer uh, and their family to Larry the lender. Larry doesn't do VA loans. So he's going to stuff them into a 5% conventional. Exactly. Larry's not going to say, sorry, you, you, you should do VA, but I don't do VA. Larry's wants the loan. So Larry's not going to, he's going to try to steer him towards a product that he can actually sell. That is not what's best for the client. Thus, the reason you have to have three different lenders. That's right. And we're not suggesting that you know everything about mortgages that there is to know, but you should have a cursory understanding so you can ask the right questions. So would changing the loan program change the requirement? Is it possible to use gift funds to make up the difference? Gift funds? What in the world are those? Something we never received. (laughs) No, exactly. But they do exist. Yes. Gift funds are basically when someone gives you the money. Now, you have to track it. You have to show where the money came from. With some lenders, you have to have seasoned funds. It has to be in the bank for two weeks to 30 days, sometimes 60 days. But you've got to ask those questions. So what is the requirement if you're using gift funds? That could be the difference between a 10% down, a 15% down. It could be the difference between somebody who tried to qualify at 0% down, but is now required to put 5% down because their ratios or their credit or whatever isn't right. Okay. Now, can a borrower cash out an investment account, a 401k, or something else to build up the payment? Is that allowable? If so, what are the rules? Build up the down payment is what you meant build to say. Build up the down payment, right. not now, the payment. Now, yes. But we should preface that. You are not a financial advisor. You're not an accountant. Right. You're not a CPA. You're a sales agent. You sell real estate. That is what you do. So do not start giving advice no. that is outside of your purview. Otherwise, you could be rocking into all kinds of legal problems. Yeah, messing with your licensing. Right. So these are just questions. You're trying to be a problem solver and get them to the right type of loan. Can the borrower maybe get a cosigner and solve the problem? Maybe the reason that they weren't qualified on their smaller down payment was because they didn't have enough employment history or maybe their credit score was two points too low. Maybe getting a cosigner would solve the problem. Okay, so now is it also, is it because they're guaranteeing an appraisal gap? Maybe the seller would renegotiate that. That was happening a lot with uh, people overbidding in these bidding wars. You're speaking too much real estate in there. So if you have, for example, a situation where the seller, uh, the house is listed for $400,000, but because of the nature of the market, you have to pay $425,000, but the appraisal comes in at $400,000. The buyer doesn't have that $25,000 gap. They don't have, they can't like write a check because they need the money that they save for their down payment. Well, guess what? 
The seller, now that there's an appraisal on it saying exactly. it's worth 400 might agree to lower the price to what the market is. Versus not selling it. Or if they won't and the buyer wants to do the house, then chances are that seller would be more than willing to give a loan, a private non-secured loan, or maybe a second mortgage against the house for twenty-five grand. Which leads us to our next thing. The seller might provide a second mortgage or some kind of unsecured loan. The seller can make interest on that loan, file a lien using a title company, and require it to be paid off in a certain time frame. You know, we did that on the second property Julie and I personally yes, we bought. Did. So we had it. We were interested in buying this really weird, strange, completely vertical condo. How many floors was that? Five. Five floors. We had. We, it was just Julie and I. And how many cats we did we have? We had four cats. We had four cats, right? So the four cats love jumping from level to level. You guys, it was hilarious. You wouldn't believe this, but here was the deal. The lender wouldn't, Julie and I had, uh, you know, we bought her, we were selling our first house. We didn't have enough uh, equity to put down on the condo because the condo, the lender, because it was weird, didn't want a loan without like 25% down. That's right. But it turns out that the seller was more than willing to uh, give us a second mortgage so that when we brought that second mortgage money and our down payment money to the lender, the lender was more than willing to give us the loan. And that we'd have to qualify, obviously, based on the payment and the second mortgage payment, but if I remember correctly, it was like 20 grand, so it was no big deal. That's right, yes, so these things can be done. Now, here's an unusual one as well. Could the seller provide seller's financing or use a hard money lender and then the buyer refinances into a more conventional loan later? What's a hard We also did that. Yeah, we did. What's a hard money lender? That is basically somebody who's lending their own money. Hard money is like, I don't know, kind of this, I, I think a misused term. Yeah. There's a lot of people that offer private loans. Um, I'm just thinking back to our own real estate experience, Julie. We had a, one guy in particular mm-hmm. that, if the you know basically person had decent credit, decent job history, we could get them, um, you know, this doctor to approve loan money on basically it's anything. Basically, a private mortgage. He was, and he would hold them for usually five years, mm-hmm. and there would be a balloon payment. But all these things you guys need to know about, or at least have a cursory understanding of, because it will put you in a uh, really an unfair advantage in the marketplace because you have skills that other agents don't have. By the way, thank you for all of you who have been texting me about joining Julie and I to eXp Realty. It is the next natural step for all of you in the progress of your real estate careers. Julie and I, it's one of the smartest decisions Julie and I ever made to align with eXp Realty, and we encourage you to do the same. We made it very easy for you. If you're just getting started learning about eXp, just text the letters eXp to 47372. Text the letters eXp to 47372. Or if you've already made the smart decision to join eXp Realty and you've not yet uh, chosen your eXp Realty sponsor, it would be amazing if we could help you uh, to join eXp and we would be your sponsors at eXp Realty. So if you've not yet chosen your sponsor, Julie and I are formally requesting the opportunity to earn the right to be your eXp Realty sponsor and just text me directly at 512-758-0206. So if you're just getting started, you want to learn more about eXp, that's great. Text eXp to 47372. Or if you're looking to land the plane, you know you're going to join eXp, you've not yet chosen a sponsor, text me directly on my private cell phone at 512-758-0206. In the subject line, just put eXp and let's get the party started. Julie, next point. Okay, now stay with me on this one because, again, we're in the land of maybe never discussing it for some of you guys that are listening. So point number two, perhaps the loan was denied for ratio issues. Well, what does that even mean? Lenders require specific debt-to-income ratios in order to qualify a borrower for a mortgage loan. They calculate the buyer's total expenses 
divided by the gross income, which equals a ratio. Housing-related expenses divided by gross income is an indicator of how much somebody's, of somebody's income they're spending on their house payment. Typically, the total debt-to-income ratio should be about 36% or less, and the total housing expense 28% or less. Now, if ratios are too high, this means the borrower has too much debt, not counting their mortgage that they're applying for. They already have too much debt. That create, uh, creating too much cash flow going out the door and not enough towards their mortgage payment. This has become more problematic because A, prices have gone up and B, ratio requirements have not changed and C, higher rates make for even higher payments. This is one of those little discussed things that are causing not as many people to qualify or to get their approval. So how do you fix high ratios? Well, it's important to understand too, guys, and we're not being political, inflation is not going away. Inflation is going to lead to higher mortgage, I'm sorry, higher house prices. Inflation is going to lead to higher rent prices. So the scenario Julie just rolled out, it is becoming more problematic every single month because real estate is still inflating in value. You guys want to use the word appreciate, call it appreciate, but it's really truly inflation. That's right. So how do you fix these high ratios? You understand what I'm saying about the ratios oh, yeah. haven't changed, but the payments and the purchase price have gone up. And there's an argument from mortgage lenders right now that ratios should have changed and maybe that'll happen. But well, until this, then, we have to deal with it. This is the reason you're going to see more FHA loans. This is the I reason agree. you're going to see more action from the GSEs or 100% because a lot of these, the frankly, what's happening with the bankings uh, overall, they're going to become, I mean, a lot of these banks aren't going to be very readily willing to do mortgages. So the government's going to essentially be probably mm -hmm. almost 100% and except, with the exception of the truly high-end mortgages. Agreed. You're going to see the government take over most mortgages in the United States. It's kind of been inevitable uh, for a long yeah. period of time, but that's really what's going to happen. I'm guessing within the next 18 months or less. So what if, you, what if it comes back as the ratio is too high? Is that even fixable? Now you understand what it means. What are you going to do about it? So ask the lender which of these scenarios could work. The buyer pays off a credit card or a student loan or a car loan. Remember, the ratio is too high because they've got too much money going out the door. Could they borrow from a 401k to do this, borrow from the bank of mom and dad to do it? Does this loan have to be paid off or does it just have to be paid down, you mean the reducing extra, the payment? You mean the money that they're borrowing to basically make up the gap? That's right. Can they borrow that? Some, you know, depending on the rules of the loan they're trying to get and how strict the um, risk management is at the lender, they may say it either has to be completely paid off or they might even say you can't borrow money to do it. You just have to ask. Okay, so would a different loan product have different ratio requirements? Not all loans are the same. FHA, is, uh, FHA and VA is much more lenient on the ratios. I think USAA is as well. Would raising the down payment fix the ratio issue? How much more down payment? So you're going to have a bigger down payment, which makes the loan smaller, which makes the payment smaller, which fixes the ratios sometimes, right? Okay, so again, what if they got a cosigner? Maybe that would make everything okay. And then we'll do the other two tomorrow. So, because that was a lot of kind of wonkish, mortgagey, wrangling things going on on one podcast. So, what would you do from this? Here's what my, my, my takeaway would be. Yeah. Uh, number one, I would definitely re listen to the intro to today's show and make sure you're working with three different lenders. Yes. And, I, and we talked about, quote, hard money lenders. That would be a possible fourth. It's kind of unusual, but at least the three that we spoke of. And I would be super suspicious 
of any lender that said they can do all kinds of different loans. They might, let's just say they do have the ability to do different loans. There is no way they're going to be as good with all three different no. categories of buyers. Just, they aren't. That's just the reality. So be really specific. That lender becomes part of your you know, your real estate team. That lender and those lenders are integral to your success. And by the way, lenders, especially successful ones, are going to themselves have real estate leads that they can then occasionally refer to you. They're going to get buyers coming to them to get pre-qualified before those buyers yes. have found agents. And then they're going to be able to get those lenders to send those buyers that are already pre-qualified and pre-approved to work with them on the buy side. But the lender's not going to work with you unless you're sending them deals and they're not going to send you their prospective uh, you know, buyers who are pre-approved unless they're confident that you're going to send them more deals in the future. This is the whole way the industry works and every industry works. Yeah. You need to have really good lender relationships and you guys were cranking deals through, you know, with super low interest rates where everybody is qualified basically to do everything because the payments were so low. So you have to be more tuned into this conversation than you used to be previously. Now we were throwing some other things around like um, loans for teachers, policemen, uh, down payment assistance, some of the first time buyer stuff. You said FHAA, which is basically a, a government, you know, for yeah. USAA, which is military. Yeah. And so for homework, there's a great resource. I, I look it up for coaching clients all the time. HUD.gov lists a lot of these unusual pro, well, unusual to the previous market programs, <laughs> right? That have more uh, flexible ratios, down payments, credit scores, all of that. And so you want to educate yourself before you start talking to lenders and asking them about all these things so that you know what an appropriate answer even is. And right? by the way, we've done past podcasts and we do a lot of coaching in premiercoaching.com that is telling you how even more than this, a lot of you, here are some interesting facts for you guys, 50% of all the homes in the United States have no mortgage. How many of those sellers would actually be willing to be the mortgage E? They would be willing to hold the loan on behalf of that buyer. Maybe it's a 36 a month, uh, maybe it's five years. It's amortized over 30 years, but then you put a, you know, a shorter term balloon on it. And then after five years, then the seller or the owner or the, you know, the mortgage holder and that buyer, now who the owner, it decides whether they want to continue with that loan or whether the, the buyer is going to refinance off and finally pay off, uh, you know, pay the, the previous owner, uh, buy them out of the mortgage. You guys get it? So you have to know how to do various kinds of deals. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you become exceptional. A lot of you think that you can buy brand. I'm going to become the biggest brand in real estate in my community. The way you do it, you think you're shortcutting with all your marketing and branding, the importance of actually having built a, a great reputation. A great reputation is what you truly want. Do not believe you can buy a great reputation. The way you get a great reputation is helping people in a marketplace like this. How do you do that? You have to have the skill set to know how to help people. And we made it very easy for you guys. Just text the word. Well, I'll make it even easier. Go to premiercoaching.com, premiercoaching.com, and sign up for Premier Coaching for 30 days for free. Or you can text the word Premier to 47372. And that will get you going in the right direction at a higher velocity than you can possibly imagine because, yes, it does include a daily semi-private coaching call. So just text the word uh, Premier to 47372 or just go to premiercoaching.com. Remember, when texting, message and data rates may apply. Thank you for continuing to keep this the number one listen to daily podcast and by the way youtube channel for real estate professionals in at least the united states you guys have a fantastic day we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com <laughs>